Thank you very much. You can be seated. It is a really great privilege to be here tonight. And uh, we love this church, love your pastors, Talk and Adrian, and um, love Sam, Jody, and just all the that God is doing here. This is just a great place, you know it? Do you all know how, do you all appreciate how good it is to be a part of a great church? Huh? Yeah. It's just, you know, don't ever take it for granted. Trust me, I've been to some bad ones. It's good to be, it's good to be at a good one. A wonderful. The one that, this is, you know, with all, it's all everything together. It's not one thing, you know. It's just the way, it's the atmosphere in this place, the, the beauty of the people, the sense of fellowship that I have here, sense of love. And, and in the atmosphere of the presence of God, the, the innocence and worship and, you know, the heart of your leaders and just all together. I mean, it's, it's just wonderful to be uh, in a wonderful church. And so I thank God for that. Thank God for that. And um, I've, my wife and I, you know, we pastored, we started church and pastored for 36 years. And now since the last time we were here, we now have uh, have turned that over to our son our son has taken that church and he's leading it on to the, one of our sons in, into the future and so don and i are traveling uh, traveling the world and trying to help build the church and so it's good to be here with you are y'all ready for the word tonight oh i'm excited about this if you don't shout about this don't worry i will The title of my message tonight is simply Living from Heaven. Living from Heaven. I want to say before I begin this tonight that at the end, I'm going to um, lay hands on people tonight. And uh, I'm believing uh, for encounters with God. And I just wanted to say that up front so that God could just kind of just water your hearts and minister to your hearts. And I believe that some people uh, are going to have a life-changing moment tonight. It's not because of me being here. Um, I just believe that with all of my heart. Now, let me say as I begin this message, it's so wonderful to be here because Don and I travel and lots. I'm, we travel lots of places that don't have quite the openness to the Holy Spirit that you have in this place. That's kind of putting it nicely or mildly we, we, we travel a lot of different places and but I want you to know we always preach the same type of thing the same I mean God's given us a mandate and I find when the truth is spoken that God touches people no matter where they are amen amen one last thing I want to say before I begin is that you know really my Especially the last few years, God has really put a call in my heart and a mandate to go back and, and revisit old themes, the heart of the gospel, and that's what that came out of this morning, uh, and to just, the Lord's told me, he said, stick uh, with the main thing, the main things, and because uh, that's where the power is, it's kind of like splitting the atom, you know, you get to the real power, and so tonight... I want to talk about living from heaven, having divine encounters with God, 
And uh, I want to talk about what those encounters are. Romans chapter 15, follow with me closely. We're going to do just a little bit of teaching here. Romans 15, verse 18. Paul said, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me. Now, before I go further, they can keep that scripture up there, and I want you to just, just ponder that statement a moment. For Paul says, I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me. I love that because Paul is saying, listen, baby, I am, you're never going to hear me preach anything that God has not first worked in my life. What I'm telling you, I have experienced. Otherwise, it's worthless. It's only head knowledge. And Paul is saying that you, you, you cannot preach effectively and live out anything effectively that you have not encountered in your own heart. You go and talk to other people about Jesus. Your testimony is only good as what God has worked in your life. Are you with me? So watch this. Paul says, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. He's saying this is what is going to change the world. It's not just a message, although our message is very important. But in the condition that our world is in today, it's not merely words that's going to change it. But, but it, what is it? He says, to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders. Mighty signs and wonders. Watch this. By the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout to Illyricum, I have fully preached, notice that phrase, fully preached the gospel of Christ. I love that he uses those two words, fully preached. Paul is saying that without signs and wonders, you cannot fully preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have to be accompanied by the evidence of what you say. Are y'all listening to me tonight? He said, I have fully preached. So Christ has worked these things in me that I am preaching to you. And he's worked it by sign, and it's, it's produced signs and wonders. And those signs and wonders is what allows me to say I am fully preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, in the Hebrew mind, to know something was to know it experientially, not just to know it by the accumulation of information. You know, in, the, in our wor Western uh, worldview today, our world mindset, uh, that we think that we know something just because we heard it preached. We think we know something just because we read it in a book. We learned it. You know, to know it, you know, means just now I can just recite it. But to the Hebrew mind, to know something, you didn't know something until you actually encountered it. That's why way back in Genesis with Adam and Eve, when the Bible says Adam knew Eve and she bore a son, that word new there means that they actually came together, you know, to, to give birth to a son. And, and, and knowing was the experience that they had together. To know God is to experience him. To know him is to walk in a constant encounter with God. At any moment in your life and your walk with God, if, if it goes through a season where it becomes a dry cerebral experience, where you go very far between two points uh, uh, without having 
a real encounter with God, then you have lost the essence of what it means to be Christian. Because to be Christian is to be born again. And to be born again, it's so interesting, you know, that in, you know, in our world today, you know, that you can't just use the word Christian. Because to be a Christian can mean a thousand different things. You know, you can't say, well, I'm just a follower of Jesus, because that can mean I, I, I'm a follower of Jesus as a good teacher or a great moral being or a, or, or a good prophet. You know, you can't say that. You can't just say, I'm a Christian. You know, you ever notice that, I don't know if over here if you have this, all the time in America, you know, we have these, you know, people being interviewed. They have different kind of religions and, you know, and even different denominations of pastors, and they'll inter interview them on TV, and, and, you know, guys will come on and they'll say, you know, now what, what are you? You know, well, I'm, I'm this, I'm a Lutheran, or I'm a Muslim, or I'm a, you know, whatever else. I'm a Catholic, I'm a, you know, whatever. And, oh, that's great. And they go on with their conversation. But they get one of these guys on there. They say, now, what are you? He says, I'm born again. And all of a sudden, their eyes get real big. Oh, you're one of those born-again dudes. You know, why do they think, they all of a sudden, they think we're these wild, crazy people. You want to know why? It's because born-again is a radical experience with God. You, we, you, you, you don't just have encounters with God. We talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's an encounter with God. But that's not the first time you encounter with God. You encounter God at the new birth. You don't just walk an aisle and say a prayer and sign a paper and get some kind and change ideologies. The, being born again is a powerful experience with God. You know, I look, this thing exploded in me one day whenever I began to think about, I was meditating on what it means to be born again. And I began to think about, you know, I know what born is because I was with my wife when she had four babies, four sons. I was there. I was in the room and I watched the thing happen. On the first one, it was quite an eye-opening experience. I went through these classes that they had that they called Lamaze classes, and that was to help the, husband, the father, you know, to help the mother, you know, and, you know, so you could be, you know, help her along in the thing. And so I really listened carefully, and we got to the moment in the room, in the, uh, you know, the, not the delivery room, but they, the room where they all, you know, they'll, ah, you know, cry out and have their contraptions, you know, and everything. And, I, and, and anyway, back in that day, you know, they had eight of them in one room, something like that, with just a curtain in between. They were all just, ah, I thought, my God, what have I gotten into now? And my wife is there, and she's having these contractions, you know, and they're getting worse, and she's going, oh, oh. And I remembered that in these Lamaze classes, they told me that when, when the pain gets bad, if you'll just take and go down and take her big toe and just pinch her big toe firmly between your thumb and your finger like that, that it will ease the pain. And so like a good husband, I went over there to my wife, and I tipped my fingers, and I punched. I just squeezed real hard like that. And when I did, she came up off that table, and she said, What are you doing? Get out of here. I thought, Lord, my God, my wife has turned into something else. I don't know what. We went into the delivery room. We get there now, and I've got her strapped up, you know, and, 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 and here's nurse over here, and the, the doctor's back here. You know, he's the catcher, and, you know, I'm standing behind the do doctor. I'm the backup catcher, and, and I'm, 
and, and the whole thing's happening, and all of a sudden, he's saying, just push. She goes, ah, and all of a sudden, I saw the crown of the head. I saw the crown of the head, and I thought, man, this is amazing. And then he said, one more big push. She goes, ah, and all of a sudden, this body slides out into the arms of this doctor. This doctor takes this baby. I see that baby. I said, my God, we've given birth to an alien. The thing was, it was slimy and messy, and he clips the cord, clean the, gives the baby to the nurse. The nurse cleans the baby up, wraps him in a, a, a blanket, hands into my wife, and my wife starts smiling and is ready to have another one. <laughs> and I'm standing there thinking, my God, what just happened? <laughs> and I begin to think, you know, it's amazing. I went through the whole thing. I saw it all, every detail. But I can't tell you at all what happened. It's amazing. It was so explosive. It was, you have to experience it. And then I begin to realize that to be born, to really be born again is to have the, the kingdom of darkness blasted out of your life, to have the cord of evil cut off of your life and to have an explosion of divine life birthed into your being to where the life and nature of God comes alive in you. And all of a sudden, you're a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. That's what changes you. To be born again. Encounters with God are so important. And the reason they're important is encounters with God are what I say are like they are critical moments where God takes us to a new level. You know, Paul gives this account in, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says this. He says, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ. Now, theologians feel, all theologians feel that he's talking about himself. He's just being humble. He says, I don't want to boast. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body or I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know. God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Now, out of this story, it's interesting that Paul is telling about this incredible encounter that he had with God. So powerful that he didn't know whether he was in the body or out of the body. And now there are encounters with God that we have all the time. Every time you read the Bible, every morning it should be an encounter with God. You come to church, you hear the word of God, there should be an encounter with God. You worship, there should be an encounter. So there are encounters all the time. But there are certain encounters that each of us are to have in life that are be, to be life-altering or life-changing moments. And that's what Paul was relaying here. And when he relayed this, I find it interesting that if you look at this phrase, he says, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. When he's telling this experience, he doesn't say, I had a vision or revelation. He's telling of one encounter, but he said, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Isn't that strange? And I began to realize, and I think what he was doing here 
since he says, I'm not doing, telling you this to boast about myself, I think he's telling us this encounter, telling us that I will come to more visions and revelations of the Lord to get our expectation up for divine encounters with God. They're not to be strange, uh, rare things that happen in our life. If we're walking with God in tune with the Holy Spirit, we should be encountering God in a powerful way at, at, at frequent moments in our life. As I said, we live with God every day. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about on regular, in regular intervals. There should be these moments where we encounter God powerfully. Are you with me now? By the age of 24 years old, I had had five of these encounters with the Lord that rocked my world, and they literally have given the direction of my life ever since. One was when I was 11 years old, I was born again. Number two, when I was 14, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Number three, I was 19 years old. And that encounter brought a word to me through the scripture. There are different kinds of encounters. But that scripture, I shared this with you, I think, in a message before, Galatians 2.20. God literally exploded that scripture in my heart. And that I talk about that scripture all the time, even today, because that, that scripture is a revelation. I had an encounter with God in that scripture. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had an encounter with God in a scripture? You with me? Listen, that's one of the powerful ways you can encounter God is to get in the Word, not just to have a devotional, not just to do a reading, but get in it to encounter God. If you do, one word can literally rock your whole world and make you a crazy man like me. I'm telling you, 19 years old, that one scripture rocked my world. That was my third encounter. My fourth encounter was at 21 years old. 21 years old, the first time I ever saw a vision. There are visions that are encounters with God that come in the form of visions. And that vision that God gave me is actually what launched me into ministry. That was my call to ministry. And then at the age of 24, God also had a second vision when in a, an encounter with God. And that vision actually is what started our church uh, 37 years ago. Uh, that has led my life ever since and has, has touched thousands of people's lives. I had these five encounters with God, but then I, we started our church. Our church grew, and it grew very large, and now we were sending out ministries all over the world, and all kinds of things happening. It was incredible, all the things that go along with that, and I came to the point to where that our church was, had become well-respected in the community, and, and as it did, there was more, I, I don't think anybody was putting this pressure on me, I was putting it on myself to become more acceptable and more dignified, if you please. You know, we now have a reputation to keep. And so, I, so at a certain point after our church had become very large, I made a decision that I was going to take all of these things that had happened, all of the, the things of the Holy Spirit, and I was going to put it in the back closet, and then I was going to become like just a very conservative charismatic Christian, you know, one that just, you know, says that he believes in the Holy Spirit, but doesn't manifest anything. And so anyway, I began to lead our church like that. And as I did, I got about a year or so into that. And after a year or so, all of a sudden, 
when I was in one of our services one day, it dawned on me that the presence of God had lifted off of our church. Literally, it was gone. I didn't feel any presence anointing on my preaching. I didn't feel any anointing on the worship. There was no anointing on our praying. It just, I, and it just shocked me. And so I went to prayer and I cried out to God. And I said, God, I said, what is going on here? Why has the presence of the Holy Spirit lifted off of this house and off of my life? And the Lord spoke to me something that I'll never forget. He said, Rick, he said, when you decided that you don't want what I do, then you can't have who I am. If you don't want what I do, then you don't want me. He said, when you decided that you were going to play down and minimalizes the manifestations of the Spirit, the demonstrations of the Spirit, he said, that's what I do. He said, then I was offended. The Spirit was offended and withdrew from you. I cried out to God. Oh, God, forgive me. Please, God, I'm sorry for offending you. I want you. I didn't mean I don't want you. Oh, God, I, I said, now I'll let anything happen. Lord, whatever. Just come. Just come. I don't care. I was always afraid of the crazies, you know, and uh, all the stuff in the flesh, you know, and I always like tell people, you know, just quiet that down. Quiet that down, you know. If I'd see somebody, you know, start manifesting, you know, I'd just, uh, please, quiet that down. The ushers would go do it. And, and I said, God, it doesn't matter anymore. I just need to have you. And you would think that God would have answered me and turned the thing around in a period of days or weeks. But do you know that I cried out to God like that? I was in the front of our auditorium day after day, I would cry a pool of tears in the carpet. I cried out like that for five years. And I asked myself, Pastor, why did God require me to cry out for five long years like that? And you know what? The only thing I can think of, and now I know this, that God was preparing me for a life in ministry after this. God wanted, when he returned, he wanted me to never forget what I had lost. Listen to this. Now listen to this, I'm going somewhere. He said, so I cried for five years. Oh God, return to your temple. God, please, I want your anointing. Holy Spirit, come. And do you know, after five years, I was in a meeting. Don and I went to a meeting. And actually, I went to this meeting. It was in some other state from us. And I went to this meeting basically because people were coming back from these meetings telling me, you know, Pastor, you ought to go see this. this God's doing great things. I mean, but there was stuff happening there that I thought was kind of crazy. And so I, th I, I told Don, I said, let's go there just so we can tell people we went. So when we go back, we can tell them why they shouldn't be involved in that. And I was in that meeting that night. And all of a sudden, the guy got up to minister, and he would just start reading the Bible. And the Holy Spirit started, I, I'd never seen anything before. I mean, people always talk about how they saw clouds, you know, and oh, they saw clouds, you know. I'll never forget these one people. That, I don't even know if they're still alive anymore. Charles and Francis Hunter, you probably never heard of them. But they, they came to our church, and, and she stood up, and she said, oh, there's a cloud. The cloud of the Lord is the blue cloud of the Lord. And I looked back, and I didn't see nothing. And I got mad. I thought, there ain't nothing back there. If the pastor doesn't see it, nobody sees it. Come on, right?
But now look, you've got to understand, after five years, I had gotten so hungry. I had gotten so desperate. I had all these powerful encounters with God. I knew what it was like to move in the Holy Spirit, and now I'm here desperate and dry. Five years crying out like this. And I look up, and I saw a cloud. Me, a cloud. And I thought, my God, there's the glory cloud of God. And I saw it, and this thing started to move. And each section it moved over, literally, it was like a war zone. It plowed the people down. People fell out into the floor. People were crying out to God in their sins. People were weeping. Everybody was hit. Every section as this cloud moved. And all of a sudden, I noticed that it was moving toward my section. And as it got closer, I thought, oh, no. It got closer and closer. And as it got closer to me, I could, y'all know what it feels like just before a storm comes, a big rain storm, and you feel just like your hair is standing up on your head. That's what I felt inside. And it got closer and closer. And when that glory of God sat over my section, me, this dignified skeptic, this guy that didn't want any of that stuff, all of a sudden, the power of God fell upon me. Now I'm a pastor of a big church. Now I've had all this history. But here I'm like a little baby. I don't care anymore. And I'm sitting there, and the power of God hits me, and I start weeping like a baby, just crying. And then it's wild. All of a sudden, my, I, thought, I felt something. And I thought, I think my right hand's shaking. And I looked down, and my right hand was shaking. And I thought, Rick, this is what you told, stopped people from doing. You told people, stop that. Stop that. And here my right hand is shaking. And I looked at it, and people say, well, Rick, couldn't you stop it? I thought, I don't know. It felt so good. I never thought about stopping it. God gloriously rebaptized me in the Holy Ghost. After all these years, God's glory returned to his temple. I went to church next Sunday at our church. I told Donna, I said, I'm not going to tell the people anything about what happened. And I stood up there and just began to talk. And as I began to talk, the power of God begins to hit our church. And literally, without me telling them anything, people start falling out on their knees, weeping and crying under the power of the Holy Ghost. The glory of God had returned to his temple. Listen to me now, listen. I told God after that. I said, God, I promise you now, after this lesson I've learned, that I will always contend for the presence and the power of God wherever I go. I will not preach on it or talk about it as some little add-on, some little tributary, something that's just, oh yeah, we've got that too. No, God, I will always contend for a supernatural God who moves in supernatural power. A God who baptizes people in the Holy Ghost. Everybody that gets born again should also go all the way and get baptized in the Holy Ghost. It always troubles me when in every spirit-filled church I see people who have been there for years and still don't dive in and are not baptized in the Holy Ghost. You've got to understand this is a supernatural life. A supernatural walk. That's why you're dealing with issues you can't 
you can't solve. That's why that you come up against things. You, you're circling the same mountain, and you think, why is this thing a struggle? You need the joy, the peace, the power, the wisdom of the Holy Ghost to immerse your soul. And then you will, you will totally radically be changed. It's interesting. Some people have that happen even at the new, at the new birth. But then there's an explosion at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That changed me ever since. To where I began to realize that the Holy Spirit is not a message of the church. The baptism of the Spirit, the fullness, the flow of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, healings, casting out spirits, Releasing people from bondages. All of these things, they're not just messages of the church. They're not just things like a ministry of the church. The church is a living organism of the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, all we are is a nice motivational meeting coming together. Are you with me now? Now I'm preaching to the choir as they say, because y'all believe in this. But I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you that you're to walk personally in that kind of encounter with God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it leads me to this. You know, John comes to Jesus. John, not John, Nicodemus in the book of John. Nicodemus came to Jesus one day, one night. And he says to Jesus, he wants to enter the kingdom or he wants eternal life. In essence, what motivated Nicodemus was that he saw the life of Jesus. He saw how he lived. He saw this grace on his life. He saw this life flowing in him and he saw what it did. The supernatural manifestations the people that were released and the people were healed. And, and Nicodemus says, Jesus, I want that. How do I get that? And so Jesus says to him, he says to him, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Well, Nicky didn't get that at all. Nicky said, well, what am I to do to go back into my mother's womb and, and, and come out again? Nicky was on a different wavelength than Jesus. I don't get it, Jesus. And so Jesus tried another angle. He said, well, Nikki, what about this? He said, what if we look at the wind and you see the wind, you don't see the wind, but you see what it moves, you see its effects. He said, that's what it's like moving in the kingdom of God. Well, Nikki didn't get that either. And now Nicodemus is frustrated. And I can almost see playing over in Nicodemus' mind this whole thought. Jesus, I've come to you with a very spiritual question. I want to know heavenly things. And here you're talking to me about natural things, about birth and wind. Jesus, I don't want to know about earth. I want to know about heaven. I want to know about heavenly things. 
And so I love this. Are you all ready for this? I love this. Jesus says to Nicodemus in John 3, 12, he said, Nicodemus, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Now watch this. Listen, I love this. He said, Nicodemus, where your mind's at, I've told you these earthly things. You don't get that. How do you think you're going to get information from heaven? True heavenly truth that is not in the context of some natural analogy. And I hear Nicodemus saying, oh, no, Jesus, I'll get it. I'll get it. I want it. And so Jesus, in essence, says to him, all right, Nicky, you want heavenly truth? You want it unadulterated? I mean, without any kind of cover on it? Here it is. You ready for this? Watch this. He says, no one, now he's downloading you. He said, I'm going to download it to you. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. That's what Jesus downloaded to him. Y'all got that, didn't you, huh? Nicodemus looked probably just like you do right now. What? Jesus said, I just talked to you about being born. You get it, talked about when. He said, you want heavenly truth? You want it without all this natural context and, and, and parallels? He said, here it is. Let's say it again. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. He said, that's unadulterated truth from heaven. That's heavenly information. And that's what is, in essence, he's saying, Nicodemus, if you tear away all the natural analogies, that's what it's like to walk in the kingdom of God. What? Nicodemus didn't get it at all. And most people don't either. And I'll be honest with you, in this passage, I didn't either until it exploded on me one day. And I saw it. You have to look at the tense of these verbs here. Look at this. It says, Jesus says, no one has, past tense, ascended to heaven, but he who, ha he who came, past tense, down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is presently in heaven. And I began to realize, wait a minute. Jesus, who had not yet gone to the cross, he had not died, therefore he was not resurrected, and therefore he was not ascended to the heavens and seated at the right hand of the Father. That hadn't happened yet. But he says about himself, he who has, past tense, ascended, has descended. He's telling Nicodemus, if you want to get truth, here's truth. He said, I have descended, so I'm living here, but I've already ascended, ascended to heaven. And he says, watch this, and the Son of Man, that's me, Jesus, the Son of Man is presently in heaven right now. Well, listen, wait a minute, wait, listen, listen. Look, don't clap before you get it. Listen to this. It blew my mind when I saw this. You know what Jesus is saying? I thought, Jesus, you're standing. That's, that's a bold thing to say for the person that's standing physically right there before Nicodemus. You're standing there, and you're saying you descended, but you already have ascended, and you presently are living in heaven. I said, what's that about? He said, I'm trying to show you what it's like to live in the kingdom. He said, here's what it's like to live in the kingdom. You are walking a descended life here on earth, but in spirit you're living an ascended life in heaven. Jesus was saying, Nicodemus, physically I'm here with you, but really I'm in spirit. I'm already there right now, and I'm, I'm living here, but I'm living from there. You get that? Ah. Look, that can play out in a thousand ways that I can think of right now. Listen, 
But that's what it's like. So many Christians I know, they live, they live here, but they live from here. They live descended in the flesh and descended in the spirit. Jesus said, live physically descended, but spiritually ascended. You get that? In other words, you live from heaven, where you are living from the resources of heaven, from the information and the wisdom of heaven, from the divine grace of heaven. Are you with me now? From the orders of heaven in this earth. And I begin to realize my quest more and more every year is to live more there in spirit than I do here. Don't no, no, make a mistake about it. I'm still going to be here, just like Jesus was there. We live, we function, we work, we play, all here in the natural. But he said, where you, if you want to live walking in the kingdom, you have to live an ascended life in the heavens. Now, just listen to this. I thought about this. And I thought about how that so many people struggle because their eyes are too much on what's going on around them in the world and what's, going, what's happening in their family. If they're worried and fearful and stressed out, it's because they're living physically descended and spiritually descended. They're living, getting all their necessary information from the, the, the natural world around them. But there's a place that you can live in God and you can walk with Him. This is what the Holy Spirit is for. It says in John 16, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit is the teacher, which means you live that ascended life, and the Holy Spirit in you, he gives you the information that you need. When you learn to walk this way, you will no longer be troubled by the world around you. I'm telling you, my wife and I are living proof. We've, I could tell you a story. We've been through hell on several different fronts, and I could tell you a sad story that make you all depressed if, when you leave here tonight. But that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to tell you I've been through that stuff, and because maybe we were going through that hell in our descended fleshly life, we weren't going through that hell in our spiritually ascended life. We weren't relying on this to get us through. We're walking through this, but we're relying on that to get us through. Are you out there now? Ah, oh, hallelujah. When you understand how this plays out, you understand that this kind of person will never be moved or shaken by anything. Even in our darkest night that Dawn and I went through, it's like we had this peace in the midst of the storm. We came out on the other side. As we came out on the other side, I have these sayings, different sayings that I say all the time, and one of them I decided to post on Facebook where I said, I might have said this here before, I don't know, but I, I, I posted on Facebook and I said, I said, life is good, God is great, and people are beautiful. 
I just did that. And the lady posted back. And she said, it's obviously she didn't know who I was. How many of y'all realize not all your friends on Facebook are your friends? Y'all understand that, don't you, huh? I hate to wake you up. But... And this lady posted back, and she said, that would be nice if it were true. She said, it's obvious you haven't been through anything in your life. And I posted right back, and I said, this philosophy is not because I haven't been through anything. It's because I have been through everything and I've seen God faithful through it all. God bring me through it all. Come on, give, some, give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Now, look, to, to back this up, you know what's interesting? In the 1 Corinthians 5, Paul calls us ambassadors. Ambassadors for Christ. Now, that's you. He calls each of us as a Christian ambassadors. Now, look, that's very powerful. Don't, don't underestimate that. And I thought about this. First of all, you know, here I am in New Zealand, right? But I'm an American. And so I live, I'm, I'm eating here, I'm staying here, I'm working here, I'm, you know, doing all kinds of things. I'm carrying on business here. But I'm carrying on business here, but I'm doing it from there. Because my allegiance is to the United States of America, where I'm a citizen. And if I were to change my loyalty, being a citizen there, to New Zealand, then that would be called treason. Y'all listen to me now. An ambassador is an emissary that is sent out by a homeland to a foreign country to represent that homeland in that country. Are you with me now? When they are sent out by that homeland to that foreign land, they don't belong to that foreign land. That foreign land does not provide their resources. Their resources are provided from their homeland. They have diplomatic immunity. They cannot be judged or held accountable for anything by that foreign land. They're held accountable by their homeland. Y'all with me now? And God says, we are ambassadors. We are sent out from our homeland heaven. And this is not our home. We're in a foreign land. We live here. We eat here. We walk. We play, work, all those things. But let me tell you something. This world is not our home. And our loyalties don't belong here. They belong there. With me. Living from heaven, not from earth. This world, when you understand you're an ambassador, you understand this world doesn't provide for you. Why would you ever worry about finances or about your future and how you're going to provide? Why would you worry about that? Isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew 6? Why would you worry about these things if you understand this is not your homeland anyway? You don't belong here. Your paycheck doesn't come from here. Oh, by the, the means of it may come, but the source is heaven. You are an ambassador of heaven. Live from heaven, not from earth. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Ooh, that fires me up. Listen to this. I love this. I love this. I'm going to close with this. You know, what divine encounters with God do for us is they take us, even those who are walking with God, and they can take us and they can bring adjustment. God will speak to us 
Information from heaven will come. Because like with Paul, encounters are being caught up. And being caught, when we're caught up, God can speak to us. I've seen God do surgery on people. I'm talking about emotional surgery, not physical surgery. I mean, I've seen all I saw I prayed for a couple one time. And, and they, they fell under the power of God. I didn't know until later that they were a husband and wife that had been separated for some time. And they were ready, they were, uh, filed, had filed for divorce. One family brought the, the man, and he sat on, it was a big auditorium, he sat on one side. Another family brought the wife, she sat on this side, and the two didn't know that each other was there. And when the time came for the prayer line to be set up to lay hands on people, there was such a crowd, they all got up, and they didn't even know it, but they ended up standing next to each other. And when hands were laid on them, they both fell out under the power of God. Are you ready for this? And when they fell out under the power of God, their heads stuck together. <laughs> now, that's why I call it an encounter. Their heads stuck together. They first didn't know. They didn't even know they were standing by each other. They had their eyes closed. And so they fell out. Their heads were stuck. And they go, oh, no. And they look at each other like this. And they see, there's my husband. There's my wife. And they start embracing each other and crying. And they repented over the wrong. And they, they reconciled. And God healed that marriage on the operating table of a divine encounter with God. Oh, hallelujah. Look, I'll tell you one more story and then I close. Listen to this. You know, listen to this. There, this is kind of crazy. But I'm just, I'm just trying to get you to think outside of the box. And I want you to experience it. That's why Paul relayed this. He said, look, I, I will come to these rev revelations and visitations. I want you to do so. We pray, prayed for this one guy one time. Laid hands on him. He was laying hands on a bunch of people, but this guy fell under the power of God. He was a guy like a middle-aged man. And when he, after a little bit being, he was kind of like out. And after a while, people got my attention to look at him. And the man, grown man, was over there, and he was, he was laying back like this, and he was leaning over the side, and he was doing like this. Didn't have anything in his hands, but he was going, like he was playing cars. And people first thought, well, this is crazy. He's crazy. When the man got up, he was caught up, then he got up. And when he got up, I went over to him. We asked him, said, what, sir, what was happening there? He got on the microphone and he said, gave this testimony. He said, when I was a boy, from the time I was a little child, my dad was very mean and he would never ever buy me a single toy all of the days of my childhood. He would never allow me to play. I had to work from a very little child. I never had a childhood. And he said, when I fell into the power of God, he said, I saw my heavenly father. It's like or heard my heavenly father, and he said this to me. He said, I am not a father like your earthly father. I am a good father. He said, now here, I want you to play in my presence. And God healed the scars of that man in midlife from what had happened in his childhood. That was being caught up in an encounter with God. Everybody stand to your feet with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we all just lift our hearts real high and just give God praise in this place? Come on, praise him. Come on, we praise you. We love you. Come on. Just brastende, brastende. We love you. We bless you. Father, we just thank you. After pastor comes, Father, we're going to lay hands on people.
Father, I ask you, God, you know who needs what. God, I pray that your divine power touch people tonight and bring divine encounters in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.